I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Alamo. So grab your cannon. And let's get civical. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And today we're doing an episode that we had planned to do, what, last week, the week last before? Week, yeah. But it got absolutely correctly moved because we had to do our NATO episode. Yes. Uh, this was the episode that when Russia invaded Ukraine, I texted Arden saying, I don't think... This is the moment for this week. <laughs> it's so true. And I I'm, said, correct, correct, correct. Thank you for always being forward thinking, and you are correct. Let's do it a and different I'm day. Correct. Let's do it a different day, and this is that day. And and I'm glad it's here because to me, it's such a gift for me from me, mm. only to me. It is a topic that <laughs> is near and dear oh my to God. my heart and my literal upbringing. Yes. It's a place I've been to more than once. What? Yeah. I have been there at least thrice. And it's a place I have so I have so many gifts to give yeah. this episode that I just can't even I'm like bursting at the seams. <laughs> I'm so excited. So today we are, I mean, I'm not even doing banter because I'm so excited. Today we're talking about the Alamo. <laughs> There's no need to banter. We're just going to get into it. I, you're, We're going to get into it. I want to hear it's my nation's capital. All it's, the stories. Lizzie Nation, I mean, the capital is Alamo. The, the capital is the Alamo. I remember it always. Woo. Do you, did you grow up learning about the Alamo? I'm curious. I learned, I mean... This is Custer's last Custer's last stand. 
Is that no? No. No. Are you? Wait, is that a genuine question? I yes. So I guess the answer to your question <laughs> oh my God, is I learned like what it was, but but I often conflate it with different fights. And okay. I and I can't remember what it and then Custard's Last Stand stands out in my mind because there was a <laughs> like a, a cafe basically that was really good in the downtown area of my little town called Custer's Last Stand. And no, and so no. for whatever reason, I don't know why I think they're related. <laughs> you know, I I can I can understand. I mean, I know very very little about Custer's Last Stand, but I can see it's you know the Alamo and Custer's Last Stand. The theme is that like people not giving up on the fight. Uh huh. Like that is truly the only through line you can draw between the two. <laughs> Wait, okay. So next episode is going to be something completely different. And then the, sure. the one after that, we should just do we'll Custer's Last Stand. stand. <laughs> Which honestly, I'm totally down for. That, I, like, Great. that, it's I do need that episode. <laughs> I don't even I know what it is. two would pair so well together. Um, yeah, Texans oh, everywhere yeah. Arden, are just <laughs> slamming their heads onto their desk. I re- the only- when I asked you if you heard of the Alamo and you brought up Custer's last time. So wait, is the Alamo, this might be the only thing that I really truly associate with the Alamo. Are they like yeah. all inside fighting the people on yes. the outside? Okay. Correct. Okay. Yes. Great. Then I got that. That, right. that is that is a part of it. That's uh, excellent. Say no more. But I don't before, know who the people on the inside. Our entire listenership. I don't know who the people on the inside are, and I don't know who the people That's on the fine. outside are. This is the That's episode. Fine. This is the episode where I get to play your you usual be, part, you and you get to be the quote unquote expert, which I am not at and all. I am. But and you get to be it today. I get to be it today. Let me tell you something about the te- the Texas education system. When I was in seventh grade, well, I guess every year, right, you have a history type of class. Yeah. And, you know, it was always a little bit different each year. But in seventh grade, we had an entire year dedicated to Texas history. Oh, my God. So that was the whole thing. And all we learned about was things that happened in Texas, which, mind you, a lot. Yeah. Texas had a lot going on. Texas had, you know, very unique story compared to other states. Mm, yeah. Was a part of Mexico before becoming part of the United States. The Alamo plays into that. Um, the, and we'll talk about it thank, later in, thank, in the notes. Thank God. Uh, by, yeah, by the by, everybody, I did the notes. Uh, so don't worry. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> Obviously, thank God. <laughs> if you're thinking, oh, my God, Arden, first of all, are we about to learn about Custer? Like, that's not. That's not. Not, he's not in here. Okay, he's, he's for another time. He's for another time. I should have control F'd before I before I brought him up. No, no. Oh my god. Because what I do is I don't I don't control F when you do the notes. Touché. I come in fresh as a daisy and I'm just like, what's up with this? <laughs> I put you on the spot and asked you to explain the Alamo. <laughs> really, I should have gate we should have talked about it pre oh going live. <laughs> that's amazing oh my god it is one of the most amazing things that has ever happened Uh uh-huh that was great so what we're gonna learn a lot you're i hope by the end of this episode arden and other listeners that you get a full picture of not only like the battle of the alamo because there's a big battle that we're gonna talk about where the phrase remember the alamo comes from have you heard of remember the alamo yes yes okay so we're gonna that's yeah so you know more. You know more than you think you know. But that's it. That's all I know. That's it. That's it. It's that and maybe Custer was there. Maybe Custer was there and there were people on the outside trying to get inside and the people on the inside did not want that to happen. That's all I know. Right. Correct. Correct. We're going to learn a lot about the history between Texas and Mexico because yes. this has a lot to do with that and and the kind of aftermath the aftermath so you know without further ado because how could we possibly top the first you know five minutes we've had of this episode it's impossible impossible one of our one of our best yeah uh i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about the notes for today so the majority of these notes are coming from one and a half sources the main (laughs) one being the alamo.org oh Absolutely. I'm not going anywhere other than no, no, no. where her, the mouth, her, no. the girl, the Alamo. Yeah. 
Of course, we are supplementing some of this with History.com. Yes! Uh. And then some kind of fun, interesting, facty type of things coming from a great article in Thought Co. by Christopher Minster. So that'll be towards mm. the end. But assume if we're talking, I'm talking straight from the Alamo's website yeah. because it was great. It was great. Great resource. Easy to digest. Gave me the whole picture. I love it. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Wait, do I get yeah. to start this time? You're going to kick us <gasps> off. Yeah. What? You're kicking oh us off. God. I don't even know what to do. I know. Oh, it's hard. Gonna, you just read. Just read. Okay. 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 And you're going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's so hard being Lizzie. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Okay. So we're going to start off with the Texas and Mexico relationship history. Herstory. 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 I feel it's tumultuous. A lot of breakups. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> so this is all coming, like Lizzie said, from Alamo.org. Mexico gained its independence from Spain in 1821 following 11 years of conflict. With independence achieved, Mexico struggled to find its own independent identity, first establishing a monarchy. I did not know that. And then a constitutional I republic. I didn't know Mexico had a monarchy at some point. I feel like everybody has to go through a monarchy phase. It's, you got to try it Do out. Do you know what I mean? You got to try it out. It's like, it's like getting bangs. Mm-hmm. You have to do it to see it. And then you realize this isn't for me. This is not for us. Mm-hmm. Not our best life. The need to protect the northern frontier prompted the government to establish colonization laws that allowed colonists into Texas large group of people moved to Texas with the attraction of land and an opportunity to start over. It's kind of very much what the U.S. did, right? Yeah. They were like, here's plots of land west. Go right. go make it something. Yeah. It's a similar thing. Mexico's like, here's a plot of land north. Go, go. build cities. Mm-hmm. Get out <laughs> like, of here. Go, go. Go, go. Bye. <sighs> yeah. People such as Stephen F. Austin helped to facilitate the arrival of immigrants to Texas by ways of colonies and land grants. Many of these colonists, along with the along with the native population, enjoyed a semi-autonomous way of life far from the capital in Mexico. Yes, exactly. You're right. This is just yes. like the colonists moving out of the out of Great Britain or out of England. Yeah. Yeah. And Stephen F. Austin. He's not necessarily integral to the Alamo itself, but is one of the most, like, pivotal figures in Texas history. Mm. I think, you know, we talked about the statues in the... um, Oh, yeah. In In the... the, Yeah, the Capitol, where each state has two. Yeah. Stephen F. Austin is one of Texas's Oh, shit. All right. And the city of Austin. Oh, my God. Great city. Of the Stephen F's. Mm -hmm. Yes. Loved Austin. The autonomy would be challenged with the election of Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana as president in 1833. His political views would change from federalism to centralism, causing Mexico to fall into a civil war and Texas to seek its own independence. Laws changed curtailing the influx of immigrants as well as the autonomy that Texans had grown used to. I'm seeing similar patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is very helpful, I have to say. Like, thank you. We know this story. We've been through this, this story. This is very important. We can't right. talk about the Alamo without talking about why Texans and the Mexican government are not liking each other. Right, right, right. <laughs> Tension. Tensions Tensions are building. A literal civil war is happening. It's a brewing. It's a brewing. Mm-hmm. So that is like the back, the very overview back story of Texas versus Mexico, because it is important to the Alamo later. Mm. So let's talk very quickly about the early history of the Alamo itself, yes. like the actual structure. Oh my God, please. Um, just so everybody can kind of understand if you don't know what it is, I think this is helpful to know. So this section is coming from history.com. Spanish settlers built the Mission San Antonio de Valero, named for St. Anthony of Padua, on the banks of the San Antonio River around 1718. They also established a nearby military garrison of San Antonio de Bexar, 
which soon became the center of a settlement known as San Fernando de Bexar, later named San Antonio. So this is like how we get the city of San Antonio, Texas, Mm. early, early history. The Mission San Antonio de Valero housed missionaries and their Native American converts for some 70 years until 1793 when Spanish authorities secularized the five missions located in San Antonio and distributed their lands among local residents. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that so nice of the Spanish? It's so lovely. I love when we get people out of their homes. Right. And they're like, actually, this land is mine. And not only mine, it's somebody else's now. Sorry. (laughs) Get out. Beginning in the early 1800s, Spanish military troops were stationed in the abandoned chapel of the former mission. Because it stood in a grove of cottonwood trees, the soldiers called their new fort El Alamo after the Spanish word for cottonwood in honor of Alamo de Paris, their hometown in Mexico. So the mission San Antonio de Valero, once it was seized by the Spanish, became known as El Alamo. So it's the same structure. It was an old missionary and also like becomes this military garrison type of place. Right. Um, Now that we're we're saying this, I do recall that the... I couldn't have told you that it was like a religious structure, but I do remember it like not like it wasn't a fort. Like it was a building right. that was then used as for like Fortified. a military yeah. purpose. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Oh my God. I really want to know. Like I want a movie about this. I want like the, the missionary. Uh, there like, is a movie. Is it called The Alamo? I think there's a movie called The Alamo. I remember, okay, I remember in my Texas history class watching a film. I'm sure I'm sure it's from like 1953. Right. But I'm pretty sure I can't I can't imagine it's good, but I do believe that one exists. But I agree with you. I think we are due for like Oh my god, we're due for you know a, like a Christopher Nolan yes. Alamo. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Hi, <laughs> Christopher, please. Christopher, tell me. We have let's discuss. I'll be I'll be the on-set dramaturg. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be standing there next to you, feeding you false information. Perfect. I'll be like, where's Custer? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he supposed to be standing? I need an Sorry, X on the floor. Where is he standing? Hello. So let's talk about the Texas Revolution, which is what led to the Battle of the Alamo. So first we have the Battle of Gonzales on October 2nd, 1835. The Texas Revolution began as tension boiled over and shots were fired in the town of Gonzales. The Mexican army had been sent to recover a cannon that was loaned to the town for protection against native tribes. (laughs) Absolutely. Sorry. I like, I wasn't going to include this in here. And then then I was like, right, this is all over a single cannon. A cannon. Also, a cannon. Not the first time. I mean, I get it. Yes, I get it. Not the first time cannons have appeared. In one of our episodes, it's like cannons, pirates, goats. Oh Take, a shot. Take a shot. Take a shot. I beg of you. Mm-hmm. It's okay that it's Saturday at 1130. Somebody drinking somewhere. Upon their arrival, 18 men stood on the opposite side of the river and refused to hand over the cannon. No. Hell yeah. No. No. It, the answer mine. is no. No. <laughs> Bye. Me. The Mexican army searched for a way to cross the river, but while searching, were called back by the colonists to discuss the cannon. I'm going to find a bridge. I'm going to find a bridge. Come here. I want to talk to you about something. Come back. Come back. I want to talk to you. Come back. Come back. Come back. This is the most Lizzie. This is the most Lizzie thing in the world. Actually, can you come back here? I just had a thought. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. I want to ask you something who's custer who is custer here (laughs) where is he show him show us custard oh my god oh man i feel like you wrote this i feel like you should work for the alamo.org i should i should you should this gets it only gets better it only gets better i love this oh my god i'm so in love with this episode already 
this time, mm-hmm. there were approximately 180 men on the other side of the river, outnumbering the Mexican army force of 100 dragoons, which were mounted infantry. <laughs> I love that they're like, come here. I want to show you something. Look at all of my people. It's all. It's more soldiers. <laughs> it's just more soldiers. Come here. Come here. Look at my we force. We called everybody we knew. <laughs> You're not getting this cannon. You're not getting this cannon. Yes, this one's 80. Yes, this one's two. But I dare you. Oh, my God. I keep losing my place. The people of Gonzalez once again refused to ter- refused to return the cannon, arguing that they were fighting to uphold the Constitution of 1824. Great. Cite a source. Cite yeah. a source. Yeah. We, we have parchment. We have parchment. Yes. You're not getting this cannon. No, this says it's ours. It mine. That night, the men of Gonzalez crossed the river searching for the Mexican army. It was foggy, and both defensive forces bumped into one another that night. Ah! Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Oh, shit. Wait, I'm supposed to kill you. Bang. Bang. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't see you in the fog there. Both groups fell back to await daybreak. A door. They're like, I can't. Wait, let's just call it. Let's call it. There's the fog. We're just gonna... Let's take a siesta, okay? This isn't the first time fog has really (laughs) interrupted military strategy. (laughs) This is amazing! Like, shoot. The following day, October 2nd, 1835, both groups met on the field of battle. The Texans fired a shot at the Mexican army, leading to the start of the Texas Revolution. I love that they're like, the field, be there. 0900. (laughs) 8 (laughs) a.m. The Mexican army retreated. Winner takes the cannon. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love that they're like protecting this one cannon like it's, you know, a royal prince. It's (laughs) symbolic. It's a royal prince. The Mexican army realized they were outnumbered and retreated to Bexar. After this encounter, the Mexican army returned to San Antonio without the cannon. Just so we're clear on where the cannon without is. The, they never got the they cannon. They never got the cannon, which was seen as a victory for the Texan army. Emboldened, Texan forces decided to follow and march to San Antonio as well. Wait, <laughs> the, the Texan forces are like, you don't get to walk away from us. Exactly right. Exactly right. That's exactly what they did. Oh, I love like, these I'm sorry. I wasn't done talking. <laughs> I told you to come and they here. Go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of the most Texan thing, right? Where it's like, oh my god, this battle, this conflict starts over the use of or the the ownership of a single cannon. Texas won't give it back to Mexico. <laughs> they they fight a battle that starts a full revolution. Texans win. And not only did they win, they're like, I'm actually going to keep following you <laughs> until I'm satisfied with this. Because winning wasn't enough. It, no. And I love that they also, I'm sure, are pulling this cannon. Wait a second. Hold on. We're heaving the cannon with us. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We're going to shove it in at your face that we still have the cannon. Do you see the cannon? It's right here on our side. It's right here. It's Fuck right it. here. So we'll talk quickly about the Texan forces arrival to San Antonio. So once again, to remind you to bring it back, because we're going to, we're really about to get into the Alamo. The Alamo resides, the building structure is in San Antonio. That is where the Battle of the Alamo takes place. We are leading up to this main event. So let's talk about their arrival. So an army of Texan volunteers arrived in Mexican-occupied San Antonio de Bexar, which is San Antonio, in late October, and began to lay siege to the town as a result of the Battle of Gonzales. So they followed them all the way back to San Antonio, and they're like, we're going to take this town. By mid-October, the volunteers had amassed over 400 with individuals such as James Bowie, James Fannin, and Juan Seguin arriving on the outskirts of town. These men were under the command of Stephen F. Austin. Yes. Again, Stephen F. Austin. Big deal, big deal, big deal. On October 28, 1835, as the Texan army lay siege to San Antonio, a group of Texans and the Mexican army clashed at the Mission Concepcion. During the foggy... (laughs) 
Always. So much fog. I've never seen this much fog no. in Texas in my life. I, I, I don't do. actually I've imagine. I've lived there for 18 years. Right. I'm like, is this normal for Texas? Fog is normal in the Midwest. It's normal in the East Coast. I would Coast. say every, you know, just like, every once in a while we had a foggy morning, but <laughs> there seems to be so much fog. There's so much fog. I'm really thinking that and I'm not a believer, but I'm really thinking God is sending the fog for the Texans. Yeah, he is. He's like, you need a little help. You need a little help there. there. Yeah. <laughs> During a foggy morning skirmish, Bowie and Fannin led a group of Texans to victory over a detachment of 275 Mexican army troops led by Martin Perfecto de Cos. I love this Once name. again, the Mexican army was defeated with over 50 casualties and loss of a cannon. <laughs> they, they're, wait, they're down two cannons? They're down two cannons. Yes. They're down two cannons. Oh my God. I fucking love this Texas army. They're like, you know what? Texas zero. No, Texas two, Mexico zero. They're like just on the cannon. Front. Just to add insult to injury. Yes, we won. But boop, 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 boop. We're taking a cannon too. We oh, also took a God. cannon. We also oh, took a cannon. I love we this. We also took a cannon. This is big yeah. spite energy. I love this. Yeah. And it's pretty, like, it's pretty humiliating for the Mexican army, which, mind you, is, like, like a full army. We're talking about a, a government-supported army versus, like, what the Texans have, which is a ragtag band of misfits, a lot of volunteers, a lot of people from different places oh coming in to be like, yeah, I'll fight for you. Really? Hey. Hell yeah. And the Mexican army is, like, it's like the British, it's, it's yeah. the British versus the American colonists yeah. of, as far as resources right my god this is making me i've been to texas i didn't know a lot about her i liked my time in texas but i'm beginning to kind of fall in love with whatever this is this like i don't know if you if this is like texas sentiment i am very much here for it i am in love (laughs) the texas war or the texas revolution is pretty it's i mean it's a great story and it's, there's a lot of, the Alamo is like one of, you know, several moments where you're just like, fuck yeah, Texans, go off, uh, you know? Because they're just like, like wild, wild Western dudes being like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. We're just going to do our own thing. Oh my God. This is so good. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. 
Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, we've come to the siege and battle of the Alamo. With General Kos's soldiers gone, but in expectation of a counterattack, the Texans began to fortify both the Alamo and the town. Yes, get it. The Texans yeah. worked. <laughs> They're like, we can't, we need more than just the mission. The whole Well, first of all, shebang. like this will not go unanswered. No. By, like, mind you. Like we just we just humiliated the Mexican army twice. twice. We have two of their cannons. Mm-hmm. There will be a response. Right. So why don't we just build some Put some logs up. Really get it. Really, really get it nice and strong. The Texans worked to repair the Mexican-constructed entrenchments and fortifications and brought additional cannons to the site. We're (laughs) rubbing it in their faces. Yes, Texas, I love this. I mean, it's so interesting to just see how in this time period how much a cannon was useful. Right. Like, and, and how, I guess... And I imagine difficult it was to build them, lug them around. Oh, my God. And get them into, like, firing position. But they were very lethal. Right. Well, also, like, okay, so you lug the cannon. But where are you getting the cannon balls? Like, more than just the I cannon. I that's a different, it's a different wagon. <laughs> I, I, I mean. <laughs> These poor horses, they're like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh my god. Hey. This is yeah. amazing. Just as General Cosa's army headed towards the Rio Grande to Mexico, General Santa Ana's army was marching north towards Texas, unbeknownst to the Texans. Okay, so they are the Mexican army is coming back. The Texans assume this is back. true, but they don't know it for sure. They don't know it for sure. They don't know where General Santa Ana's army is, and General Santa Ana is, again, the president of Mexico. He's, like, the leader of Mexico, and he is... Oh, shit. I forgot. Okay. ...not about to deal with this shit. This is a man who is really not into these people to begin with, Yeah, and now there's this, so... This is, I feel like, he where... He pissed. He pissed. This is where I feel like the there's a difference between the American colonists and the Texas... Texan, like, revolution. Revolutionaries, thank you. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, King George would never. Would never. <laughs> would never. never. I love this guy. He's like, you take my cannons too, you sons of bitches. I'm coming for you. Oh I'm, I'm going to personally see to this personally. being dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their plan was to take, the Mexican army's plan was to take back the town of Bexar and end the Texas revolution once and for all. Great. We've got a we've got a solid come plan. Here and stomp this out. Stomp it out. Mm-hmm. Santa Ana's army began to arrive in San Antonio de Bexar on February 23rd, 1836. Their arrival prompted members of the Texan army to enter the Alamo, which was by now heavily fortified. The Alamo had 18 serviceable cannons. We've gone up in cannons. This is great. Yeah, they're like, let's go. Let's go. They had 18 serviceable cannons and approximately 150 men at the start of the siege. As the Mexican army arrived, a parlay was called by one of the two Alamo commanders, James Bowie, a famous adventurer and knife fighter. Get the fudge out of here. James Bowie is legit cool. Oh my God. There's a a couple of cool cats who are at the the (gasps) Battle of the Alamo. This is so good. James Bowie being definitely one of them. Oh my God. If I had a dog and named it Bowie, it would be named after this Bowie, not the other Bowie. Sure. That's fair. Fair, right? 
Green B. Jameson, chief engineer of the garrison, met with Mexican officials. Santa Ana's terms were surrender at discretion, meaning he would decide their fate. What? Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that shit. You know you're going to die. The other Alamo commander, 26-year-old William B. Travis, answered with a cannon shot from the 18-pounder cannon. He's like, fuck y'all. Mm-hmm. Oh my and, God. and let's just, I want to put a pin in this person's name, the commander of the Alamo, William B. Travis. Make note of his name. Great. It is very important. I love it. To this episode. Great. The siege of the Alamo had begun. So the Mexican bam, army, bam, le- bam. the Mexican president is like, come on out and we'll decide what to do with you. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. those all everybody in that building is going to die if they give up. So why would they do that? Like, why would they surrender? Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's so stupid. <laughs> like, um, if he had been like, no, right. If he had been like, come on out, I'll give you two years in jail. Like people might have been like, all right, right. Oh my god. Yeah. No, this. and and it's also I think because we had had these two previous military encounters with the Mexican army where we just like embarrassed the pants off of them. I also think there was probably a little bit of like, well, this will be fine. Right. 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 <laughs> We're like, we've already done this. Like there's, there's this air of confidence as well that this will turn out. Okay. (laughs) They told the Mexican (laughs) army to come back and talk to them. Wait, come here. Come here. Yeah. (laughs) We've got, got a lot of confidence. (laughs) God, I am in love. On February 24th, 1836, with the garrison surrounded and the Texan army at the Alamo outnumbered one of the most famous letters in American history was written by William B. Travis. Oh, great. Though the guy's the guy whose name we've put a pin in. He's it, the cat, he's the commander, he's a writer, he's a multi-hyphenist. Oh, love, love. <laughs> Not a knife fighter, but that's all right. It was addressed, quote, to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, close quote. Yes. This letter I mean, to just address the entire world. Just the entire world. A flex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world. In the world. <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Oh my God. This letter was a passionate plea for aid for the Alamo garrison. He ended the letter, quote, victory or death, close quote, the only outcome this battle could have. That letter left the Alamo and the siege continued. This truly astounds me that he was like, mm-hmm. dear Everyone, comma. Everyone. (laughs) Please help us. Help. Aid. (laughs) Victory or death. S-O-S. Here's the address. (laughs) But also, who, like, the soonest it's going to get there is, like, a month. Right. Like, how... How do you even go? I don't understand. But people send letters. That's like how they, what else are you going to do? There's no other way. That's it. You only have one resource and that's to write a letter and hope that your letter carrier is A, a fast writer and B, doesn't get captured. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I love this man. Dear. Mm -hmm. All humans. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Please send help. Yep. It is me. William T. William. (laughs) It is I, Bill. It is I, Bill. Bill T. Oh, my God. This is amazing. On March 1st, 1836, 32 men from the town of Gonzales arrived to aid the Alamo. Okay, wait. So this is March. Okay, so like not so like four or five days. A couple days days later. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming they went to the surrounding towns first because that seems to make the most sense. Right, right, right. And then the surrounding towns could send out more letters to more people. Uh, but we yes, had to get yes, people yes. there, like, quickly. Right. So we're relaying the letter. I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm on board. So on March 1st, 1836, 32 men from the town of Gonzales arrived to aid the Alamo. This brought the number of defenders up to almost 200 men. So now they have men on the inside of the Alam- Alamo. And then the Alamo is surrounded by the Mexican army. And now the mm-hmm. Texans have people coming to the Alamo who are basically going to surround the Mexican army. I don't think so. I think they can get into the Alamo. This I don't seems... think that we surround the army. <laughs> this... I agree. I don't understand the structure. 
But I'm pretty sure they get into the actual Alamo itself. No wonder the Mexican army was defeated. They're like, sure, go go ahead. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. We'd rather Uh, fight you you from the inside. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they've got, so now the Texas army has almost 200 men. The next day, on March 2nd, 1836, Texas declared its independence from Mexico. A bold bold move we love. The next day after that, March 3rd, 1836, courier James Butler Bonham arrived at the Alamo with word from Robert Williamson informing Travis, the commander of the Alamo, that help was on the way. Unfortunately, it would not arrive in time. Ugh. On March 5th, 1836, Santa Ana, the leader of the Mexican army, the leader of Mexico, Held a, con- mm-hmm. held a council of war setting forth this plan for a four-pronged attack of the garrison. Oh, so he's like, hear me out. He's, they're revving up. So it's, it's a weird thing, it, like, how battles sometimes happen, especially in the old times, where they would, like, sit outside of place for multiple days right. while they, like, figured out what they were going to do. Right. So the Mexican army arrived on February 24th, but the actual, like, true fighting, I mean, we know William B. Travis, you know, fired that, like, cannon shot to symbolize the start that we're going to fight. Right. But the actual, like, battle that we know doesn't happen until March 6th. So that's, like, a whole, almost two weeks later. Right. This is wild to me. Like, why wouldn't you just, like, take it down? Well, I think that they're probably, like, assessing. They're probably building trenches. They're probably, oh, like, there's, right. I know that there's stuff you have to do <laughs> in order to have a oh, successful battle. Yeah. Again, I'm not a general, although I should be. You should be. And I'm sure that they were also, just like the Texans, the Mexican army was receiving forces as well. Oh, sure. You know, throughout this. They're yes, like, all that right, makes come sense. over here, everybody. Let's all gather together mm-hmm. so we can deal with the situation. So now we are on March 6th, the 13th day of the siege, the Battle of the Alamo commenced. Fighting lasted roughly 90 minutes. What? Not a long battle. Not a long battle. Okay. No. And by daybreak, all of the Alamo defenders had perished, including... Former congressman from Tennessee, Davy Crockett, if you're familiar with the Yes, him I know. I know him. Yep. He's the one they always show. He died at the Battle of the Alamo. Oh, you know, kind of, I kind of did remember that. Is he the one that they always show in like a raccoon cap? Yep. Ah, okay. See, I remember some things. Okay. You do? You do? So Davy Crockett dies at the Battle of the Alamo. The loss of the garrison was felt all over Texas and even the world. The defenders were from many countries, including some defenders who were native-born Mexicans. Oh. Following the battle, Santa Ana ordered the defenders' (gasps) remains burned. So, like, after 13 days, the Mexican army essentially decimates the Alamo and the defenders. Like, destroys. I mean, they were so profoundly outnumbered. It was like, it was, they never stood a chance with the amount of soldiers that they had. It just wasn't, wasn't enough. This has been a real emotional roller coaster for me. Like we started off on a high with the cannons and the whispers come here. I know, I know. And now we're at a real low. They're all dead. I know. The battle story anymore. It's It's very sad. (laughs) I don't like this anymore. So let's, I'm going to bring us back up. Okay, good. Okay, good. Remember the phrase, remember the Alamo. Yes, we cannot forget. Quote, remember the Alamo. What happens after the Alamo? So this is obviously a devastating loss. I mean, we lose some incredible military defenders. Yeah. We lose great commanders. We lose, it's just tragic. It's tragic. And it's this huge show of bravery. None of them, like, they all decided to stay and fight. It's, you know, everything you want to see. So after the Battle of the Alamo was the Battle of Goliad, the defeat of the Alamo garrison was not the last significant loss of the Texas Revolution. On March 19th and 20th, 1836, the Texas Army under James Walker Fannin engaged the Mexican Army, who was led by General Jose Ura, outside the town of Goliad at the Battle of Coleto Creek. Fannin surrendered, and he and his men were marched back to the Presidio La Bahia, 
On March 27, 1836, Fannin and over 300 of his men were executed. What? So two big losses in a row. Santa Ana left the Alamo at the end of March in search of the provisional government of Texas, which had been meeting at Washington on the Bravos, which is the river, and had declared Texas independence with a new constitution signed by delegates between March 1st and 17th in 1836. So Santa Ana has destroyed the Alamo and he's like, I'm going to go find, I'm going to go find whoever's signing these papers saying that we're independent. Like I'm going after leadership now. Oh, shit. On April 21st, 1836, the Texan army under Sam Houston, this is the other big, I would say, there's two big people in Texas history, Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston. Yeah. Those are, those are the legends. So on April 21st, the Texan army under Sam Houston attacked Santa Ana's army on the banks of the San Jacinto River with cries of, quote, Remember the Alamo. Remember Goliad. God and Texas. So it's actually a longer ah. quote than what history remembers. But they do say both because there were two huge tragedies. So remember the Alamo. Remember Goliad. God and Texas. The battle lasted only 18 minutes and was a resounding victory for the Texans. Yes. The following day, Santa Ana was captured Fuck and yeah. brought to Sam Houston an agreement was made, and the Republic of Texas was born. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, good. So we do it on a high, right? Like, yeah. we have a huge tragedy, a huge military loss at the Alamo. And not a month later, we capture the leader of the Mexican army and force him basically to recognize Texas as its own republic. And he does. Yes. He does. And it's and it's done and dusted. And yeah. now Texas is its own freaking country. It's amazing. Yeah. Aww, they won in the and end. And thus begins the era of like the era of Texas as a nation. As a country. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so good. Okay. Yeah. So to have a coda on the the good ending, we're gonna do some fun Alamo facts. We're gonna do some Fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. So to start off, it wasn't about the Texas Revolution. Some historians believe slavery was the driving issue in the showdown at the Alamo, arguing that Mexico's attempt to end slavery contrasted with the hopes of many white settlers in Texas at the time who moved to the region to farm cotton. Renovations to the Alamo have previously been stalled due to similar conversations over the site's legacy and the role of slavery in the Texas Revolution. Oh. Yeah. Which is not something that you're taught in Texas history uh, in seventh grade. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yes. That I believe. The next fun fact. I'm actually going to say a personal fun fact, and then I'll read the fun fact that I put here. So (laughs) next uh, off off the record fun fact. In my first visit to the Alamo, I was probably in kindergarten, and I went with my my parents and my sister, and then uh, family friends of ours, so it was like parents and two sons, and at one point, we're wandering around the Alamo, and I, as like a little six or seven-year-old, go up to the, the friend's mom, and I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. Can you take me to the bathroom? And she was like, yeah, did your mom know you're going to the bathroom? And I said, yes, which was a lie. I did not tell my parents that I was going to the bathroom. (laughs) And so I wander up to the bathroom with my family friend. And in the meantime, my parents can't find me. They spend, I mean, because it's, you know, there's lines. So it takes you probably like 15, 20 minutes to get me like into the bathroom or whatever. My parents start having a full panic attack because they can't yeah. find me. Once again, I'm like six years old. So they go to the like park rangers and they're like, we can't find our daughter. She's six years old. Whatever, whatever. They shut down the Alamo. What? They, they, you can't leave or enter the Alamo because I'm missing. <laughs> what? Oh my god! And and my and my sister starts having a full meltdown because she thinks I'm oh. gone and she thinks that she'll never see me again. She starts oh. sobbing, 
And after 15, 20 minutes, my parents are like hysterical talking to cops and park rangers who have closed off the borders to the Alamo. <laughs> and I just come like bouncing out after I went to the bathroom like, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, so, such a, that's such a Lizzie story. I know. I know. So in, in Alamo history, there are two people who have shut it down. One was Santa Ana and the other was Lizzie Stewart. Oh my we god. We share we share things in common. I absolutely adore this. I wandered off one time from my mom in a store called Media Play, which was like, I mean, it, it existed I think in like the 90s in the aughts, but it like you would go and buy DVDs and CDs and like whatever tech kind of things. Um and I had wandered off and my mom went to the people in the store and they called my name and I was <laughs> I was ashamed and had to go to the front and be like, I'm sorry. I wandered off. I'm right here. I'm right right here. here. (laughs) I'm sorry. No Alamo. Yeah. No closing down the Alamo. I like to tell my mom. The cake. I thank you. I tell my mom that she lost me at the Alamo and she gets really mad. She was like, I did not lose you at the Alamo. You wandered off (laughs) and didn't tell anybody. Oh my god, you little liar! I love this. I'm a little liar. I love that too. Your a lot of your good stories have to do with you going to the bathroom. Yeah, I just it's never good when I'm going to the bathroom. Assume something's Uh, up. Something is going to happen. (laughs) Okay, so that was my personal fun fact. Now I'll read an actual fun fact. Back to back to the real notes. So San Antonio was captured by rebellious Texans in December of 1835. So this was a year prior to the Battle of the Alamo. General Sam Houston felt that holding San Antonio was impossible and unnecessary, as most of the settlements of the rebellious Texans were far to the east. Houston sent Jim Bowie, the knife fighter, to San Antonio His orders were to destroy the Alamo and return with all of the men and artillery stationed there. Once he saw the fort's defenses, Bowie decided to ignore (gasps) Houston's orders, having become convinced of the need to defend the city. Whoa. So Sam Houston was like, we don't need this to do what we need to do. Let's take everything and leave. And Jim Bowie was like, I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And I'm going to let that building. She stay too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I also love it. He was like, mm, no. <laughs> no. No. I'm not no. going to listen to the to the guy in charge. No. Next fun fact. Among the 187 men in Travis's forces who died, there were 13 native-born Texans, 11 of Mexican descent. There were 41 Europeans, two African-Americans, and the rest were Americans from states in the United States. Just a little fun fact about demographics. Next fun fact. So there's this line in the sand legend, which, again, that we learned in Texas history, and I'm going to tell you about it now. So according to legend, Fort Commander William B. Travis drew a line in the sand with his sword and asked all of the defenders who were willing to fight to the death to cross it. This is before the, you know, while the siege is happening, before the battle actually commences, he's like, who is with me, essentially? Only one man refused. So only one man was like, "Uh, I don't want to die here, actually. (laughs) Legendary frontiersman Jim Bowie, suffering from a debilitating illness, asked to be carried over the line. So this is the other thing. I didn't put this in the notes, but Jim Bowie, on the day of the actual battle of the Alamo, was, like, deathly ill in bed. Whoa. So this, like, great knife fighter couldn't actually fight in the battle of the Alamo. That's really unfortunate. I know. This famous story shows the dedication of the Texans to fight for their freedom. The only problem, it probably didn't happen. So it ended up like there was some sort of uh, like, I guess it was letters or something that were found later. And it just kind of dispels this myth. But in Texas history, this is a big. All right. It's one of those big things of like, you know, are you are you with me, man? And it absolutely probably didn't happen. I mean, I'm sure William B. Travis was like, 
you don't have to stay if you don't want to die, but like, right. Odds aren't looking good. Right. So go if you must. Is this, and this is where we get like the line in the sand from. It might be, I'm not sure. But then the line in the sand, I I feel like the phrase line in the sand now is almost like the kind of the op. It has nothing. Right. It doesn't have the same meaning. It's like, yeah. Line in the sand is like you, I draw the line. But you can mess up the line because it's sand. It's not like you're, you know, it's like a flexible line. Whereas this, that's not, if it happened, what Travis really meant at all. He was like. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's the last fun fact, y'all. Here we go. It's, it's, I have, I have oh. a final fun fact after <gasps> this fun fact. Have Did you not, it was on the notes. Did you read it? I did not read it. Okay, good. I, I'm going to reveal it to you after you read this fun fact. The, okay, good. I, it, I it's saw, worth it. I saw I saw it was all capitalized, and it started with yes. Lizzie is, and I was like, I'm going to save that. I want to be surprised. Save it. Save, okay, it, save it, save it, So second to last fun fact, penultimate if you will. Not everyone in the fort was killed. Most of the survivors were women, children, servants, and enslaved people. Among them was Susanna W. Dickinson, widow of the captain of Almiron Dickinson, and her infant daughter, Angelina. Dickinson later reported the fall of the post to Sam Houston in Gonzales. Wow. Yeah. But uh, I would say the majority of the men died. Women and children were allowed to live. Now, I'm going to (gasps) reveal this fun fact, and I'm going to read it to you. Final fun fact. Lizzie is related to William B. Travis, commander of the Alamo. This is the ultimate fun fact. And the source is my grandmother. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Wait. Yeah. How? How? He's like, he's like, I mean, it's a great, 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 like, (sighs) uncle type of remove type of thing. But like my my entire childhood, it was like, yeah, we're related to William B. Travis. We're related to William B. Travis. And then I, when I was doing the notes for this, I texted my mom and I was like, is this really true? And she was ah! like, yes, it's true. Like, <gasps> call, call your mama. It's, this is true. And I was <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh it's my God. True. That's awesome. I am related to Commander mm. of the Alamo, William B. Dramas. <laughs> Dis- distantly, as distantly as you could possibly be related, but it's Sure, sure, sure. Real. But I can't claim it at all. Good for you. I know. I know. I, I've i been waiting to tell you this. <gasps> I've been waiting to tell you this. And fun, fun fact, and this is how I know we're related. Either the first or the second person to die at the Alamo was William B. Travis, commander of the Alamo. He <laughs> fell <laughs> immediately. <laughs> oh, you're like, I would do. Absolutely would not survive. Yeah, he, he went down incredibly quickly. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Love. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, that is our episode on the Alamo. That I can't I can't top that. That's all I have to give to this podcast. I have nothing. I think this is one of our best creme de la creme. I agree. I agree. What can I say? When it hits close to home, it hits close to home. Mm, yep. In our in our Instagram post, I'll try to find some of my childhood pictures of me being at the Alamo. <gasps> yes. Oh, my the God. Most, the most recent time I was at the Alamo, I think, was in – it was, like, December of 2020. Um, my partner oh. and I, we, went, we took a drive to San Antonio from Houston, and we stayed overnight, and we went to the Alamo. <gasps> um, so we definitely have pictures from that. Oh, my God. Um, but I'll try to find, like, child – I think I have some from the trip where I got – where I wandered off and shut it down. So I'll try to find those as well. So, Oh my yeah. gosh. I want to also find like the, a news article from like the local news of like the Alamo was shut down today in search of a six-year-old girl. <laughs> Authorities tell us she had just wandered off. She had to now go over to the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Oh my God. I know. That's amazing. I know. So, that's our episode, y'all. As always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.